Well, at this time, the Wapakoneta VFW and the American Legion in Sydney with the presentation of colors. So if everybody would please stand this morning. Thank you. You may be seated. At this time, uh, we have three parts of our presentation this morning. Carol Wilson is coming to the stage, and she's going to present to us the Declaration of Independence in its entirety. In Congress, July 4, 1776, the unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to this separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are empowered by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive to, of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers 
in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. The history of the present King of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. He has forbidden our governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance unless suspended in their operation till his assent should be obtained, and when so suspended, he has utterly neglected to attend them. He has refused to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of people unless those people would relinquish the right of representation in the legislature a right inestimable to them and formidable to tyrants only. He has called together legislative bodies at places unusual, uncomfortable, and distant from the depository of their public records for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with his measures. He has dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing with manly firmness his invasions on the rights of the people. He has refused for a long time after such dissolutions to cause others to be elected whereby the legislative powers incapable of, capable of annihilation have returned to the people at large for their exercise. The state remaining in the meantime exposed to all the dangers of invasion from without and convulsions from within. He has endeavored to prevent the population of these states for that purpose obstructing the laws for naturalization of foreigners, refusing to pass others to encourage their migrations hither, and raising the conditions of new appropriations of lands. He has obstructed the administration of justice by refusing his assent to laws for establishing judiciary powers. He has made judges dependent on his will alone for the tenure of their offices and the amount and payment of their salaries. He has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. He has kept among us, in times of peace, standing armies without the consent of legislatures. He has affected to render the military independent of and superior to the civil power. He has combined with others to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our Constitution 
and unacknowledged by our laws, giving his assent to their acts of pretended legislation, for quartering large bodies of armed troops among us, for protecting them by a mock trial from punishment for any murders which they should commit on the inhabitants of these states, for cutting off our trade with all parts of the world, for imposing taxes without our consent, for depriving us in many cases of the benefit of trial by jury, for transporting us beyond seas to be tried for pretended offenses, for abolishing the free establishment of English laws in a neighboring province, establishing therein an arbitrary government and enlarging its boundaries so as to render it at once an example and fit instrument for introducing the same absolute rule into these colonies. For taking away our charters, abolishing our most valuable laws and altering fundamentally the forms of our governments. For suspending our legislatures and declaring themselves invested with power to legislate for us in all cases whatsoever. He has abdicated government here by declaring us out of his protection and waging war upon us. He has plundered our seas, ravaged our coasts, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people. He is, at this time, transporting large armies of foreign mercenaries to complete the works of death, desolation, and tyranny already begun with circumstances of cruelty and perfidy scarcely paralleled in the most barbarous ages and totally unworthy the head of a civilized state. He has constrained our fellow citizens in, taken captive on the high seas to bear arms against their country, to become the executioners of their friends and brethren, or to fall themselves by their hands. He has excited domestic insurrections amongst us and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers, the merciless Indian savages whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. In every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may de define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. Nor have we been wanting in attentions to our British brethren. We have warned them from time to time of attempts by their legislature to an extend an unwarrantable jurisdiction over us. We have reminded them of the circumstances of our emigration and settlement here. We have appealed to their native justice and magnanimity, and we have conjured them by the ties of our common kindred to disavow these usurpations which would inevitably interrupt our connections and correspondence. They, too, have been deaf to the voice of justice and consanguinity. We must, therefore, acquiesce in the necessity which denounces our separation and hold them as we hold the rest of mankind, enemies in war, in peace.
friends. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America in general Congress assembled, appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, do in the name and by authority of the good people of these colonies solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states. They have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. time, Megan Barnett is coming to sing our national anthem, so if everybody would please rise. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light, what so proudly we failed at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we've watched were so gallantly streaming and the rocket's red glare the bombs bursting still there. Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet remain standing. Timothy Birch is going to come and lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance.
I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Uh, you may be seated. Uh, we have a couple more parts of our presentation at the end of the service representative will share with us. We're going to be giving plaques out to the veterans. But before Pastor Dosick comes to share with us for a few moments, if we can have all the veterans in the house either stand up or at least wave your hand around because we want to honor you this morning before we move forward. Let's give them a hand of thank you. is not all that we feel in our hearts, but it is sometimes thank yous are very shallow because that's all that we have. And in the scheme of the shadow of the greatness that we give thanks, it is very limited. So today I have the impossible task of presenting why we honor our veterans. So why do they deserve honor? 100 years ago, November the 7th of this year, we are one week prior to that. 100 years ago, on November 11th, 1918, World War I ended at exactly 11 o'clock a.m. <clears throat> After the war, there was Congress made a declaration that November the 11th would be an annual holiday and they deemed it as Armistice Day. But in 1953, a little closer to the life that you and I are involved in, <clears throat> in 1953, after the Second World War was ended, it was changed to Veterans Day. So today, we, in November 11th, we celebrate and honor all American veterans, both living and dead. Those who have fought to bring and to provide and protect the freedom of our country. We honor veterans today because they were committed to the cause of our freedom. We honor them today because they were committed to the cause of courage. We honor them today because they were committed to the law and the love of their country. And for that, we say thank you. Long after a veteran has laid aside his or her uniform, they remain some of the most loyal, dedicated, committed patriots as well as American citizens that we have in our country. Those that have never shed blood, paid the price of, or made any sacrifice for 
freedom is very cheap. It can be spoken against. It can be defamed. It can be shamed and counted as something less than valuable. But any man or woman that has been a veteran understands the price of freedom so that those that may not know or have never paid that price may sleep in peace and be safe in a land and the home, the land of the free and the home of the brave. They are committed to a cause greater than themselves. They were, are worthy of our honor for the simple fact that they deserve the honor because of the price that they paid. Not for just their freedom, but for our freedom. Many of us have never thanked a veteran. Many of us have never told them how much we appreciate their service. I want to read today out of Matthew, the 8th chapter. And we're going to start in verse 5. And it says, When Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of a palsy. He's grievously tormented. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and I will heal him. But the centurion answering said, Lord, I'm not worthy thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go and he goeth, and to another come and he cometh, and to another and uh, to my servant, do this and do that, and he doeth it without question. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said unto them that followed him, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great a faith, no, not in Israel. This is a Roman centurion. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and to the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Here we see something about a veteran. A seasoned soldier, one that had seen death, maybe had friends that had not made it through a battle, maybe had lost sons. We don't know the whole condition or the story of this centurion. But we do know that Jesus does something for this centurion that his faith asked him to do. And I have two points I want to bring out, two keys to this passage of Scripture. I want to bring them out from this story. The first is this, that military veterans honored Christ. Honored Christ. You know, we have this statement, in God we trust. Years ago, my father had passed away, and he passed away when I was 17 years old. He was 45, and uh, 
He had 14 children. No, he wasn't a Catholic. He was just an active Protestant. And he had 14 children. He died at the age of 45 from a heart attack. Understandable. And, but after years, my aunt brought me a little metal case. Many of you that are in military may remember this. He brought me a metal case with his Gideon Bible in it. And though my father was not a man that went to church, in fact, he told my wife, my mother, uh, that if you ever bring me to church again, we're going to part ways. And I'm thinking, how are you going to part ways to have 14 kids? I don't know what alimony was back then, but it had to be more than what he was making. And... Uh, but he told her, I don't want to come to church again. Don't bring me back here. But in the heat of battle, he understood that there was a place that he needed to put his faith. And the Gideons have spread the gospel of Jesus Christ in many parts of the world. But this centurion was a military leader. It simply means that he had about 100 military men under him. Maybe a little more, but he had a hundred men under him. Those men were much like the veterans that are here today. If I say do this, they do it. These men made sacrifices. These men were committed to a cause bigger than themselves. Whether right or wrong, whether we agree with it or not, they were committed to be obedient in order to bring a task or a goal to an end. The centurion had about a hundred men. And it says that the centurion told Jesus the kind of authority that the Roman army had and that soldiers complied with in order to get something done. It amazes me how we struggle with our children to do so, and they think that they're living in a world, and we think that we're struggling to get them to do something. Veterans know what it is to do something, not knowing the end, but realizing that there is a cause that they are fighting for. Every time a centurion is mentioned in the Bible, it's always mentioned with the highest regard towards religion and towards faith in God. In Acts 10.1, there's the first man that is mentioned as a centurion. His name was Cornelius. We remember Cornelius where he had a dream, an angel speaks to him, and he sends him, and he says, go to a street that is called Straight, and you'll find one there, Peter. He will come and share to you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, Cornelius was a man that was devout. He believed in God and gave many alms towards the work of the kingdom. And then in Acts 21, we read where there were a band of soldiers with a centurion over them that band their self together to make sure that Paul could be gotten out freely out of the hands of an angry mob. Centurions, soldiers, veterans. In Acts 23, it says that there was a centurion that had a band of 200 men that helped Paul reach Caesar. And then in Acts 27, Paul was on a ship in the middle of the storm that he told them, let's not go. It looks like it's going to have bad weather. And they said, oh, we're going anyway. Again, veterans do 
what they are supposed to do in order to complete a task. This one led to the place that there was a great storm and Paul prayed and he asked God, God, what should I do? And there was an angel that came to Paul. And the angel said, Paul, God has heard your prayers. He has delivered these men into your hands. And they'll all be saved out of this storm if they will simply do what God asked them to do. Sometimes what God tells us to do seems so crazy. But God is wiser than we are. He's smarter than we are. He's been around a whole lot longer than we have. And he knows the end from the beginning. Could I get an amen? And so we have to understand that when God tells us something, whether it's in the Bible or whether it's through a prophet or whether this angelic being would appear to him, Paul told the centurion, centurion, don't kill the prisoners. I'm one of them. So don't kill us. This is what the Lord said. And so he told him to hold on and stay on the ship and that God would bring him to a safe end. Paul came to the safe end. Paul's life was spared because a centurion intervened in the desire of those that were on that ship. So in Matthew, the sixth chapter, it says that the centurion servant said this, my servant is sick. That word servant doesn't really mean someone that's serving somebody. It simply means a young child, a boy that I have seemingly a love for. I don't want to see anything happen. And I'm willing to come out here and express my faith in what I have heard about you, Jesus. Would you come and could my servant be healed? Jesus immediately says, I'll come. And the centurion says, no, no, please. My house is not worthy of your presence. Everybody has to realize that there is somebody doing things in this world that is greater than they are and that are in control of the basic elements that hold this world together. And that it was not just some amoeba, but that you and I are part of the divine design that man cannot get this place in the world in knowledge, in science, and in medical advancements by himself, but there must be a God extending wisdom and knowledge to us. And then in Jesus said, I will come and I will heal him. But the man said, no, no, please, I'm just not worthy. So humble is this man. By faith, the centurion had come to Jesus. By faith, the centurion had humbled himself, and he had honored Jesus above himself because he realized that no matter what I've been through, no matter how tough I am, no matter how long I've been, no matter how many medals I have on my chest, I realize that everybody one day is going to have to bend a knee to the Son of the living God and confess that Jesus is both Christ and Lord of all. And every man and woman and child is required to do this because every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess. Sometimes there is wisdom in the midst of veterans that young people do not know. And sometimes because we don't spend time giving honor to whom honor may do be given, sometimes we never get to hear their voice get to hear their values, 
get to hear their wisdom. And then in verse 8, it says that the, he had come and that he had humbled himself, honored Jesus as a superior authority. It is by faith this military veteran recognizes his unworthiness to have Jesus to come to his house. But the military man gave Christ honor. Amazing. Gave Christ honor. All of us veterans can think of a moment that's six inches one way, seven centimeter another way, a bending over at a precise moment, being not at the wrong place, but at the right place at the right time. How many times that life was extended to us? How many times death passed by us close enough that we could sense it and know that something divine had happened to us? How many times did that happen in a military career? How many times did that happen in a stint in Vietnam, Iraq, Afghanistan, World War II? Christ gave honor to this military man. As he gave Christ honor, honor was given back to him. In verse 10 through 13, it says that Jesus did something very, very important to this man. Number one, Jesus honored him for his faith. For his faith. He had something to believe in. And all veterans here believed in a nation. They believed in a people. They believed in a united people. They believed in a united states. They believed in a people of one cause, of one name, of one nation, of one right, of one declaration of independence, of one allegiance to a nation. They believed that they were fighting for freedom and it didn't matter if it was black or white, Asian, didn't matter if it was Hispanic, Polish, German, it did not matter. They were willing to fight for the freedom of what was called a nation of the United States of America and they were willing to shed their blood, give their life on foreign soil so that everybody on this continent could be free. And I'm not opposed whether you're Italian, you're Polish, or whatever you want to be. Maybe you're like me, just a mongrel. But what I am opposed to is allowing our cultures and our differences to divide that which has been bought by millions of men's lives that have been shattered and broken, some unrepairable, some giving their supreme sacrifice, and we as people, the recipients of that freedom, become so petty that we forget that somebody bought the piece of land that we stay on to be who we are, to be where we are, and to experience the riches of this nation. No life is petty.
There were black men that died in the Civil War fighting for their freedom. There were whites. There were North. There were South. War is not a respected person. doesn't have some color code in it. Hundreds of thousands of pilots and military men in the Second World War. And I'm sure in the First World War, in the Korean War, in the Vietnam War. I don't think they registered our color in a foxhole who would make it and who wouldn't. I don't think those things are important unless we make them so important that we become petty as being a part of our nation. We are one nation under God. And then there is something that Jesus marvels at his faith. He marvels. There's only two things that Jesus ever marveled at, and it's this centurion's faith and his own city's unbelief. But this man was marveled at by Jesus because he had a great faith, a faith that honored Christ, a faith that acknowledged that God was God and that God had a plan for every man's life, Jesus honors that kind of faith. And Centurion said, just speak the word only. Wow. Would be that every Christian could be like this centurion. That they had learned something through the battles of life, through the ups and downs of the struggles of fighting the fight of faith, that we could simply embrace and receive Jesus' word in the simplisticness that it is unveiled to us and believe. Quit struggling with fear and worry, wonderment. Is Jesus faithful? Will he come through? How could those questions ever be in the heart of a man or a woman that really had experienced salvation through Christ. If Jesus had been faithful in the past to save us, would he not be faithful in every word that he's ever spoken to us? Yes. If he has redeemed us, then he can keep us. Amen. If he can keep us, then he can provide for us. If he can provide for us, he can protect us. And if we do make mistakes, he can deliver us. Amen. Jesus said in this that your faith is like a grain of mustard seed. As small as it is, can move mountains. If Jesus said that, then believe that if you have mountains and things in your life that need to be changed, simply use the faith that you have declared that he is the son of the living God and that same faith can eradicate mountains open up tombs, it can still come a stormy seas, and it can move sycamine trees. Could I get an amen? Yet we struggle at that. Yet the centurion said, just speak the word only. Jesus said to the centurion, like he says to everybody that has faith, let it be unto thee as you have believed. And immediately his servant was healed. 
Faith always sees the invisible, believes the impossible, and experiences the incredible. And all of you are a portrait of faith if you have ever ran into Jesus Christ and received him as your personal Savior. I close with these thoughts today. And I did hear that, thank God. And I'm being merciful to you today. I close with these thoughts. It is the veteran and not the preacher that has given us freedom of religion. It is the veteran, not the reporter, who has given us the freedom of press. It is a veteran and not the poet that gives us the freedom of speech. It is a veteran and not the lawyer has given us the right to free trial. It is a veteran, not the politicians, who have given us the right to vote. It is the veteran who salutes the flag served under the flag to give us the freedom to proudly wave our flags. Today, we honor the veterans. But as Christians, we serve Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of an eternal almighty God. Yes, we do. Yes. I ran into a Navy man one time, and I was asked to go to his hospital bed, and they cautioned me he doesn't like you. That's always a great way to get started. Hi, I'm Pastor Dosak. I heard we have something in common with the rest of my in-laws. He said, what's that? I said, you don't like me. (laughs) He was a sailor. He had been a mechanic in the service. And I asked him, I said, you know, have you ever received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? And he said, yes, when I was going into the service. I said, oh, okay, so you've been saved. He said, yes, yeah, yeah, I'm saved. And I said, well, you're a mechanic, right? He said, yep, that's what I was. I said, "Uh, then you know that no matter how new the car is, when you buy it, After time, it begins to get loose nuts and bolts and things break and things bend and things rust. So you got to maintain stuff. If you don't maintain stuff, it just falls apart. He said, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, you got to take care of things. You got to maintain it. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. How about you and I do some maintenance on your salvation? I said, because I'm sure that somewhere along the line that that passion and that desire and that sincerity to ask Jesus to be Lord of your life when you were going into, as it were, a valley of death may have been neglected since you got home safe and God did his part. And maybe your part just has become a little wobbly. 
My wife brought my car home one time. She said, the car is riding funny. I said, really? I went out and leaned up against the car, and both back wheels fell off. I said, yeah, that might make it wobbly. So I asked him, I said, let you and I do something. He said, certainly. I could see his not liking me turning to he's not so bad. And I was taking advantage of that. And so I said, let you and I just ask God. God, if there's anything that has not been kept tight, maintained, kept up, something that's not working in my life the way that it should, maybe you don't have the place that you used to have, or maybe I've left something out when I changed the tires because I found out that Phyllis had had the lug, the tires changed, the guy just forgot to put the lug nuts on. What kind of maintenance man or tire changer was that? He was like many Christians. He just forgot stuff. And sometimes life can get real wobbly, and you just keep right on traveling. So today, I'm going to ask you, you never received Jesus Christ, your personal Savior. Today is a great day to do it because God will honor your faith. The second thing is that you can maintain, tighten up your faith. You know, sometimes walking through life can really make us get tainted with its thoughts and its ways. And we can lay the things of God down and walk thinking that we're okay. But really, we're not okay. We need to be renewed day by day. And some of us haven't talked to God in so long. We're not sure how we're supposed to address him like, Hey, God. Hey, bud. Hey, man upstairs. Or, uh, hey, are you there? Some of us have forgotten that he's not the man upstairs. He is almighty God. Some of us have forgotten that he's our father. And that all he wants you to do is just talk to him like at least you recognize that you've been born of him and made in his likeness. That's all he asked. Not hard. Our wives have been trying to teach us this for years. Just talk. My wife says, Honey, we, I, I want to talk. I said, what about? Well, I don't know about anything. I said, well, the deer are running besides that. So, you know, there's always conditions to this simplistic life I'm supposed to live. The other night she came in and she said, honey, hug me. I said, well, you're sitting up and I'm laying down. You have the advantage. You just go ahead and hug me until you're done. And, of course, we didn't get to sleep till late last night. Because she took me through counseling. Have any of you men ever been in nightly counseling? It's worse than a nightmare. And uh, so today, I want to give you an all an opportunity to ask Jesus Christ into your heart or to say, you know, God, some way I just forgot. I just forgot. And I kind of just drifted back. It's not that I'm 
disappointed in you, God. I, I know I've done a lot of wrong, and I know you're not here to find out my wrongs and my, you know, weaknesses, God. You're just here to forgive me and to accept me. That's all that God's here for. With every head bowed, just pray this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I asked you to forgive me of all my sins. The things that I've just let get out of control. Forgive me, God, of things that are in my life where you should be. And God, I do believe that Jesus Christ is your son. And I do believe, God, that he died for my sins. And I do believe that you raised him from the dead. And I do believe that he is alive today. And Jesus, I ask you to just come back into my heart. Take all the room you want. Move anything you want to move. And God, from this point on, I'll begin to talk to you. And I know you know me. Because you have never left me. Nor forsaken me. Father, thank you. For the blood of your son. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. We are now going to have Regina. Oh, I'm sorry. Kylan is taking over because I'm not allowed to get involved in announcements. Well, we'd like to do it this time. Uh, we have plaques we'd like to present the veterans this morning. So hopefully somebody out there in the lobby. Mike, can you have them wheel those plaques in? And we're going to bring the, we've got two cars to bring the plaques down here. If we could have representative, you would, pastors. And Greg and Elaine, where you guys are, if you guys would come down here. If you're a veteran this morning, we'd just love for you to make your way down here. If you cannot, we'll find you where you are. But um, to come down, we want to honor you with one of these plaques before we close out with representative sharing for a little bit after this and a couple other things. But veterans in the house, if you're here this morning, if you can stand up, please, and make your way down front, we would love to present you this morning with one of these plaques.
Well, that was just wonderful. I, I, I can't tell you how, what that does to my soul. Um, first, let me uh, thank you for having me here. Uh, 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 Pastor Peter, Phyllis, thank you so much. Uh, the whole congregation, a very warm and friendly congregation, um, and I can feel it. Uh, and a very impressive facility as well. Um, I want to thank you. I want to thank you guys, uh, VFW, American Legion, uh, for your service. Wow. For what you've done and what you continue to do for us. Thank you. And uh, Megan, the national anthem, where are you, Megan? Wave. That's how it should be sung. That was outstanding. I'm, I'm sure a lot of you folks are like me. I get boost goosebumps every time I hear the national anthem or I see our flag posted, and uh, I never want to lose that feeling. I never want to lose that feeling. So thank you all. Um, it's funny. Um, I'm sitting back here. Listen, what a great sermon, Pastor. Outsta and you're funny, too. I love it. That's outstanding. I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, God works mysterious ways. Um, I think you might know that in a couple of days we have an election. You probably know that, right? Um, and uh, so it's pretty busy for us. And um, oh, um, about four days ago, my staff contacted me and, they, and, and, and said, hey, it's really busy. We've got so much to do. We're going to be knocking on doors and the stuff we have to do to connect with people. And they said, you know what, I'm sure that we could, they would understand if you canceled. And uh, thought about, and, and of course, they're taking care of me. I need them. They're good. And I, I, I think about it a while. Where's Elaine? She's outstanding. She, she wrote me an invitation May 15th. I've never had that much advance warning or invitation notice. May 15th. So partly I said, I cannot do this to this lady. I've already accepted. But the other part of me was the veterans. It's in my heart. It's who I am. All four of my brothers served, uh, two Air Force, two Army. My father served. Uh, it's in our DNA. And, and if you ever look at my bio, you'll see I'm the chair of the Veteran Caucus. I'm on the Veteran Committee. It's one of the things I hold sacred, taking care of those who have taken care of us, as uh, uh, the pastor talked about, all the things that they've done. So, um, so uh, I told him, no, that's not going to work. Uh, we're just, you know, I'll come home, change into my jeans, and we'll go out and knock doors when I get home. We also lost a, an hour of light, too, so that didn't help either. Um, but, um, but this is important, and, and I think what you guys have done to me today is more than I can ever give back to you. It's kind of... It's good. You know, um, we're losing vets quickly. It's almost like uh, accepting God. You, you only have so much time to do that uh, this morning. Um, it, it, we're, we're losing time to thank our vets. And, and so... Uh, it's so important. I, I think you've probably heard this before. 16 million people served in World War II. 16 million. To put it in perspective, we have 11 million residents in the state of Ohio. So it's a time and a half 
bigger in the state of Ohio. Uh, it wouldn't surprise you to understand that there's less than 500,000 left. Probably wouldn't, wouldn't surprise you to understand that we're losing 500 or so per day. The youngest ones are in their 90s. I think we had one World War, vet, uh, World War II vet here. Sir, where are you? Or do we have more? Uh, God bless you, wherever you are. I can't see. Those lights are bright. Um, so, so our time is, is, is very precious to thank these vets. And, and so uh, what, what, what I suggest you do, um, uh, Pastor Peter said it, just thank a vet. You're in line at Kroger's. You see a vet, you'll know them. Uh, they, they're, they're very proud of their service. They don't brag about it, but they're proud. Um, just thank them. You know, if it's a Marine, they'll probably give you a scuff. Right, Pastor? Um, if it's an Air Force guy, we'll smile. But I'll tell you what, it's just as special for a Marine, Navy, Coast Guard, Air Force. It means something to us. No matter how we respond, that means something to us. Secondly, I'd say listen to their stories. We're losing them. That story's going to be gone soon. Get your grand, grandkids to listen to them. Listen to their stories. Wright State's doing a program where they're taping the stories of vets. Get your, if, you, if you're connected to a vet, get them to, to talk to them. Get your story on record. Uh, there are amazing stories there. And, and the last thing I'd say is celebrate our vets. What you guys are doing here today is just phenomenal. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, and you did it the week before everyone else is doing, so you got to jump on everyone. Um, it's amazing. You know, I went to Honor Flight um, uh, to send off our Honor Flight troops on last Saturday. How, how many of our troops have been on Honor Flight? A couple over there. Um, wonderful program. Uh, the, basically what happens is we send uh, our troops to D.C. to see all the monuments and the and, and, and understand a little bit more about what they were involved with, what they fought for. And it uh, starts at 4 in the morning, it goes to about 12 at night, so they're worn out. Uh, but it's, an, it's a life-changing event for them. I was there at 4.30 in the morning. Uh, there were over 100 vets there. Ten of them were World War II vets. Seventeen were uh, Korean vets, and the rest were uh, Vietnam vets. Um, it was life-changing for them. And you could see them early in the morning, wheelchairs, uh, with family members. They were very stoic at first, and slowly they warmed up. And by the end of the day, they were singing uh, uh, songs on the buses and just enjoying as they, they should. But it's hard to do. You know, if I ask uh, my World War vet uh, troop here today, uh, you're a hero. You know, why did you do it? You know what they'll say. They'll say, because it was my job. It's my job. Greatest generation. Uh, although we have great troops today. And, and um, I think what we're seeing is a phenomena, phenomena where our World War II vets especially are starting as they get older and counting down their time on this earth, they're starting to understand just how significant what they did was, right? They're, you're seeing those hats with World War II Army or you see them with their lapel pins. Uh, they're getting it now that what they did was pretty special, and I, it's funny because I, the pastor will understand this. Uh, I get it because I talk a lot. Um, it's funny that a 20-word bumper sticker can get something across probably easier than I can, but one bumper sticker I'll always love is, if you can read this, thank a teacher. If you can read it in English, thank a, a veteran, right? So special, right?
So I just want to close and say thank you. Thank you all. Thank the ones who serve. Thank the ones who support those who serve, the family members. Uh, Lord knows my wife's been through more than, than I. I got thick skin. You know, I choose to do that, being in a service and now a politician. Um, but sometimes the families are born into it or marry into it. It's, it's, it's tough. Even today as, as our members are going downrange left and right and leaving the families behind. So I know at the State House I'm doing everything I can. Keep doing everything you can. And um, I look forward to meeting here and some of the stories of our vets at the reception afterwards. So thank you very much. Uh, God bless you. God bless this church. God bless our country. And God bless our veterans. Thank you. We've got a couple more things and we're closing out today. Regina Ingram is going to come and sing God Bless America. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above. From the mountains to the prairies, to the oceans, wide with foam. God bless America, my home sweet home. God bless America, my home sweet home. close out our service today. Color Guard is going to come uh, in remembrance of those in past and play taps, in which we will retire the colors at that point.
Well, we certainly thank you for being with us this morning. Veterans and families, there is a luncheon for you back in the youth center. If you're not sure where that is, the ushers will be lying in the hallway pointing the way. But this concludes our service this morning. Again, thanks for being with us. Hope to see you back Wednesday night, next Sunday morning. God bless you as you